This is my comeback story. This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to The Comeback. Excited to be here with you guys today. I am here with my friend Mike Silberman. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It is an honor. Um, little uh, update intro on Mike has been a gift from God in helping me in this journey of serving people in recovery, helping people out of addiction. He has uh, started how many treatment centers? As of now, it's 17. Just all over the eastern United States? Seven states. So we're North Carolina, Texas, Ohio, Maryland, Florida, New Hampshire, and Georgia. Incredible. And so here I was starting in Decula, Georgia, in the middle of nowhere, and somehow got an introduction to Mike, and he decided to help me out without knowing me, and I just can't even emphasize how much I appreciate you, and like I said, what a gift that you've been to us at Good Landing over the years. Thank you. I really appreciate that, sincerely. I know you've got a story. I know that... um, there were a time in, in your life that was that was dark, that it wasn't always as, as successful and great as it is today, and we would love to hear your story. Sure. No, I appreciate that. I'll try to, uh, to jam it in as, uh, as I can talk a lot, so uh, I'll try to, try to condense the best of my ability. The long story very short is I used, like most people did, I, was, uh, I grew up in Baltimore County, uh, Maryland, and when I was in school, they had the D.A.R.E. program, and the D.A.R.E. program told me that I was going to drink, and then I was going to smoke marijuana, then I was going to take pills, then I was to take hallucinogens, and I would go down the line until I ended up with an injectable. And that's exactly what I did. I don't like to tell really long war stories, but describe that, you know, the feelings and emotions that I felt as a kid, um, you know, drugs and alcohol worked for me, for what I wanted it to do. It allowed me to turn off the voice in my head that told me things are going to be bad, and that nothing's going to be good, and I'm not good enough, and all the fear-based stuff that my disease tells me uh, on a regular basis, and through recovery, thankfully, that voice has kind of gotten mitigated and calmed down a little bit. But I can tell you that there was a vast transition. The person I was when I got uh, clean and sober is very different from the person that's here now. I thought differently. I talk differently. I act differently. My entire demeanor, my process, my mannerisms are different. I was very, very uh, insecure. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what I didn't want. All I knew is that I didn't want to feel the way that I was feeling when I was younger. And any way that I could take those feelings away, that's what I would do. I always talk about, you know, I tried shoplifting. I tried sex. I tried burning things. It didn't much matter, but it turns out that when I drank for the first time, it, it, it worked for what I was looking for. And if those other things had worked, then I would have been a uh, gambling addict, you know, or I would have been a, a sex addict or something like that. It just so happens that drugs and alcohol were, were what got me to where I needed to be. And, and it, it, it worked for what I wanted for a while. And then ultimately, I believe that I have the, the disease of addiction. And at some point, I crossed the line. And once that line was crossed, uh, it didn't become a desire to want to use anymore. It became a necessity to use. I was not able to shower. I was not able to talk. I could not have conversations with human beings um, or be around them unless I was using. And I'm grateful that my bottom happened very quickly. I escalated and um, you know, I got tossed around between a bunch of different treatment centers. I was arrested a couple times. And my... Uh, my parents, God bless them, um, I don't know how they were strong enough to be able to finally cut me off because I have children now, and if I look at my little girl and she asks me for anything, I am not capable of saying no, I'm not. I will lie to my wife about the cookies I gave her in the morning, you know, that I can't, I can't do it. So, you know, running to the end, 
when I went to my second facility in Maryland, I got shipped off to Florida, like a lot of young men and women did back then. This was back in 2004, 2005. And I remember hearing the message of recovery that I found through a 12-step program. And what I heard was, if I stop using drugs, then I would be happy. And that is not the message that is given from any 12-step program. If I change my thinking, I do step work, I find a God of my understanding, I find goodwill through friends, through different things, I can be a good person, I can try to find you know, different avenues and step work and things like that, then I don't have to use anymore. That's the gift and the promise that's given to me. But with that gift, I can do a lot of different things. I can become a good person, I can buy homes, I can start businesses, I can give opportunities to people, but it's not guaranteed. All it guarantees if I do some changes that I don't have to use anymore, my life isn't controlled by a substance. But I did not hear that message. I thought if I stopped using the substance, then I would be happy and things would change for me. And when I got shipped to Florida, it's really where my bottom escalated quite a bit because I didn't feel any different. I didn't do any step work, I did no work on myself, I did not find God, I did not do anything that was suggested of me. All I did was take away the substance. And I can tell you that all those feelings that I was trying to mask for nine years were very much alive and very loud, and now there was no substance to quiet them down and no ability for me as a person to actually cope with those feelings in a healthy way. And I made a decision to go back out because I thought the program lied to me. And I went out with a different kind of vengeance as if there was no way really coming back from it. And what took me about eight years with opioids took me about eight months with a different substance. And, um, you know, uh, God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. I ended up overdosing in a bathroom at Applebee's, which is where I was working at the time. That was my place of employment. And I had something called an abscess. It had turned into something called MRSA. And uh, if I had waited two more days, so I, you know, I fell out in the bathroom. They, uh, one of my coworkers took me to the emergency room, not to get too graphic. But um, if I waited two more days, they would have taken my arm from my shoulder. And thankfully, that didn't happen. I still, for those that can't see, I still have my arm. And I'm very <laughs> grateful about that. And that's where my recovery journey started. A gentleman came to visit me in the hospital, brought me a pack of cigarettes at the time, uh, and, uh, and a basic text, uh, which is some, some literature from a 12-step fellowship, and helped to get me into a treatment facility. And part of that was on scholarship. And that's why, for me, it's so important now that I am in this space that there is opportunities given to people, not only for scholarships with treatment, but also for job opportunities and stuff like that, because that's what people did for me. And I can tell you that I would not be here today if it wasn't for those events. I did not have a spiritual awakening at that moment. Nothing happened for me that kind of clicked like the burning bush. But I can tell you that my relationships with other people at that time were so foreign. I used you and you used me. That was the relationship. There was no friendships. There was no wow. somebody being kind just because they wanted to be kind. Those relationships didn't exist in my life at that time. And when somebody came to visit me in the hospital, when I literally had nothing to give them, nothing, it meant more to me than I could really express, you know, uh, in, in a podcast. Um, it gave me hope before I knew what hope was. And it allowed me to try to give myself a little shot. And I went to this facility and that's where my recovery started. I met a man who helped me take me through the steps. I found a God of my understanding. And I can tell you that, you know, the gifts of recovery for me, or people talk about the wildest dreams, you know, if I, and I, it sounds very cliche, but it's the truth. If I got half of what I thought I wanted when I got clean, I would have been selling myself so short. It is unbelievable. The things that I have today and the things that we've been able, that we can build and grow in recovery are beyond, when I say wildest dreams, it wasn't even a, a, a concept that I could conjure up in my mind that was something that could even exist. These things didn't even, they weren't on my radar to even want to dream about them. Wow. Um, 
you know, the highlights, I have two beautiful girls. They never had to see me use ever. And if I continue to do what I need to do, they never have to. I'm married. I'm faithful to my wife. We'll be married 10 years, November. My first instance with the God of my understanding was my relationship with my wife. We met in very bizarre circumstances. And, uh, you know, thankfully we're still together and going strong. We own homes in six different states. We employ 780 some people at this point. I love to employ felons. Um, you know, the, uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lie that I was told for a long time that I wouldn't be able to get a normal job because of my record um, if I didn't have a full college degree. I think those things are great, and I love people that are able to go back to school and to be able to get degrees and do things. But, you know, it's, it's interesting to watch because the more that when I first got clean listened to other people's input on things and believed them, it became my reality. And then thankfully, through working some steps and having some principles, we realized that we can do anything we want. If we put our mind to it, we have a God of our understanding that has our back. We can do really great things with our lives. And um, that's one of the, the greatest gifts that I have. It's not just you know, financial. It's not just the spiritual. It's also being able to give opportunities to other people. That, to me, is what really is impactful. It's to watch somebody come up. And I've met some people here today, you know, at, at your guys' facility that were uh, former alumni that came through that were in horrible places. And that's the stuff that I get my juices from, you know. Yeah. It's great to make money. It's great to help people. It's great to, to, to do a lot of these things. But when you get to watch somebody that has an opportunity that I was given, you know, I had a gentleman that yoked me up out of Applebee's and gave me a job and helped me, to, you know, expunge my record and saw something in me that I literally could not see in myself. And without him and without him seeing whatever it was that he saw, I would not be here today. I, 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 I'm positive of that. So being able to pay that forward in such a way where, listen, they don't all work out, but the ones that do is enough drive for me to keep doing these types of things because it's those relationships and you can really identify you know, how, how one decision so long ago can vastly affect the life trajectory of not only myself, but all the people that it affects it becomes flabbergasting, you know? It doesn't become real to even think about. And it's moments like that where I know the God of my understanding is present because I know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Doesn't happen often that I get it, but when I do, it's a really nice feeling because it's all those things that happen, the trials, the tribulations, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, um, to know that it happened for a reason and to watch some of these experiences. And this relationship's no different. You know, we met on very, what, bizarre circumstances at the, mm -hmm. at the facility out there in Riverdale and, you know, it turned into a great relationship and, you know, I take zero credit for what you guys did here. I'm glad that I was able to help, but it's, and it's humbling to hear nice things about yourself, but you guys did this. And, and what I see here is, is something so amazing and to watch the growth that you guys have experienced is, is quite incredible and it helps so many people. And it's, it's pretty awesome. I appreciate that. You are a critical component of that growth <laughs> though. I will say it in a, in a, in a very, difficult time in the beginning, you know, in those growing pains and feeling like a pig on roller skates or, you know, what, whatever we were, you know, going through in those, those turbulent times and, uh, forever grateful. Um, so I, I think so many people on the front end of this journey and would love, you know, just maybe some, some information that would be, um, really important to them that was important to you. But also when I think about a guy Applebee's that, was was there and that is now running operating 17 treatment centers like obviously were there times where you intentionally reinvented yourself reading mentorship like that capacity i mean it's just unbelievable in such a short amount of time as i just sit here listen to you even offline before we got on the podcast i mean what what does that look like for somebody that's saying hey i want to take my life to the next level 
Sure. I think one of the biggest lessons I ever learned, and, and to answer that question directly, I'll tell a story because I know for me, working hard is important and being passionate about something that is important to me. If I don't love something, then I'm not going to dive into it the way that I would dive into something else. It took me a long time to even realize what that was. I remember being very early on in recovery and I couldn't tell you what I liked or what I wanted inherently. I knew what I thought other people wanted me to like or want, but I didn't really know. But I started to be able to identify things I didn't want. That was easy for me to do. If I felt pain in something, whether it was a relationship or it was a, you know, a different circumstance, I could identify those things. And that also helped to kind of formulate the business side of things to identify what I was good at inherently, what I like to do, what kind of, you know, got me going in the morning, you know, when it comes to, to business and to work. And I, you know, I didn't graduate from college. I went to uh, community college and I think I took acting and piano and whatever other, you know, bizarre uh, courses I could take to kind of skate by for a semester and a half. But I am a sponge. I like to pick up information. I, I enjoy uh, learning about just obscure things and, and just, you know, taking on as much as I can. The pivotal moment for me, and I can, and I can kind of bring this right back to recovery also, was I'm at Applebee's, and there's nothing wrong with working at Applebee's, just to say that out loud. For me, I didn't want to anymore. There was a lot of drugs there. There's a lot of, you know, and the environment of the restaurants can be a little tumultuous at times. And, you know, like I said, this gentleman, his name was Brad, um, saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, and he yoked me up and started teaching me about health insurance. And one might say that health insurance is certainly not something that would uh, get you out of bed in the morning to be passionate about, right? <laughs> But it was a new world to me, and it seemed really interesting because I didn't know anything about it, and there was a lot of things to learn, policies, needs. It was also nice to be able to help people that couldn't get insurance uh, into a, some sort of policy to help their families. At this time, this was before the Affordable Care Act. Right? This is back. I got clean in 2005. So this is probably 2007, 2008 we're talking now. And the long story short is the, the type of product that we were selling was a product that was for people who were sick that couldn't get major medical insurance because at that time, if you didn't have it through your job, you would get denied by the insurance carriers on your own if you had a pre-existing condition. And I learned really quickly there's a need for this and it felt good doing what we were doing and I was able to kind of explore a different world. And if you can't tell by this you know, podcast, I like to talk a lot. I'm good at talking over the phone. I'm good at talking to people and I started feeling good about myself that you know, I inherently found something that I feel like I had a gift. Um, then the law changed and you had to have an insurance license to sell the product that we were selling. And I didn't have an insurance license and I have a felony charge on my record. I have misdemeanors on my record. And in the state of Florida where I was living at the time, the license included health, life, and something called variable annuities. The long story short is they don't like people with felony charges to sell anything with annuities. It's just that simple. So I applied for my license and they denied my license. And I talk about this as a pivotal moment in my own recovery that also goes back to learning about just the um, aptitude about starting businesses and being able to work through things because inherently for me, I blamed everyone for everything. That was my addict behavior. It was never my fault. I was not capable of taking personal responsibility for myself. These things happened to me in my mind, right? They never, I never participated. I can never look at it that way. In my entire life, I would blame, blame, blame. And this was a perfect circumstance where I was happy. I was going in a good, positive direction. I found what I thought to be a career path that I certainly didn't think I was going to have. And boom, my past comes up and it gets blocked because now I have to have this license and I can't get it. Perfect storm for someone early in recovery like myself to say, you know, F it. I'm going back out. I'm going to go do my old thing or I'm going back to the Applebee's or I'm going to go use. And 
Um, and I thought about it. Now, this is not like I, I, I thought about it hard. Called my sponsor, called some people that I trust, that I met in, um, in, the, in the business world. And they said, you know what? Maybe write a letter. Maybe write a letter to the board and let them know who you are and what you've done with your life in the last three years and that you're not the same person that your record reflects. And here's why that you should be able to you know, get this license and maybe they'll listen to you. And I always, I always laugh because I wrote a, I mean, it was a great letter. It was, in my opinion, it was, it might've been like a published, uh, uh, piece. I thought it was phenomenal, you know, a couple pages and I put my heart soul into it and, um, they get the letter and they deny me again. They did not care about my letter. And, you know, once again, it became one of those moments in time where it could have just shifted. And when I think about those moments that could have altered my life trajectory, this was that moment. And, I pouted and I cried and I got upset and I did all the things that, that we would do, but I didn't use. And I didn't say, you know, screw it and go back to my old ways and, and go back and just, and just settle. And inherently, the best business advice I can give to anybody ever is that sometimes it takes a thousand no's to get to the yes. Oh. If you cannot weather the storm and you can't quiet the voice that we all have, some are louder than others. I know my voice is very loud sometimes to know that the belief in ourselves the God of our understanding, all the things that we can to get through those trials and tribulations, then everybody would do it and it would be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be difficult. And I can tell you that as I started making more phone calls, people then made different suggestions to me. And they said, well, maybe they denied your letter because who are you? You have no letters behind your name. You are just a guy that is trying to do the right thing, but they, there's no substance. But what we find in recovery, we have like a big fraternity or sorority of people. It really is. I know county judges. I know police officers. I know business owners. I know millionaires. I know a vast variety of people that exist within the recovery world. And they saw me come every week to my home group, right? They saw me show up. They saw me do things that were inherently good. And the suggestion that was given is maybe they'll listen to them because maybe these people have something of substance and letters behind their name. And I was able to get 38 character reference letters together and they approved my license. And I get chills and I get goosebumps when I tell that story because it was a matter of walking through the, the difficult parts of life with no guarantee on the other end that make it so fruitful, right? And it's when we don't know the inherent growth that comes from that for me became everything. And I can tell you that a year later, we started our first health insurance agency. That was my first business. And from there, it became what it became. And I started learning and, you know, it, it shot up to where, to where we are today, but it's easy to, to make an excuse to myself to say, you know what? I tried. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, I'll settle. And it's not bad. Some people, it's okay to settle. It's not for everybody. You know, and that's okay too. And I think that's an important message. It's not a failure if some people just say, you know what? I'm not built for this. Um, that's okay. For me, I would have been a very miserable, uh, I would have been, I, I never would have gotten my fulfillment in life. So good. I just think about tenacity, perseverance. I think about, you know, playing sports and, you know, there's, there's games that, that you can go and play with, you know, three on three pickup game and it's, it's mild. And then there are times when you want to get into a world where that game elevates and you get real players that have real intensity and staying in there and fighting through all that. It's just yeah, remarkable to, to hear kind of the behind the scenes of going from, from where you were to, to where you are today and obviously nothing wrong with Applebee's nothing wrong with the two for 20 
You should take right. advantage of that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> man, I, I, it has just been a, a privilege to hang out with you and with your wife, Kelly, two beautiful children. Thank you. In Baltimore. And um, anyway, man, I know there's so much more in you. Would love to do this again soon. A hundred percent. Anytime. You know, I'd love to come back and I'm going to get you guys to Baltimore one of these days. So let's do it. We're ready. I love it. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call. It's 770-570-7422.